Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 11th day of July. I almost said January. Good God. 2023, I'm Derek Hunter. Thank you for downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and all that good stuff. It's the first day of, uh, what do you call that stupid thing? Prime Days on Amazon. I don't care if you use Amazon or not. I just love Prime Days because they build it up like, oh, my God, it's going to be all these wonderful things. It's the stuff you need. It's the stuff you want. It's the stuff you can't live without. And quite frankly, you shouldn't live without. What are you, some sort of monster living in the third world? And so you you sit there and you go, ooh, uh, look through it. Do yourself a favor. Look through the crap that they're they're selling on uh, Amazon Prime Day. Now, there's some stuff that's good. There's some stuff that's good. I'm looking and there's like, what the hell is that? A power generator, T-shirts, doorbell things for security cameras, et cetera, et cetera, bed frames, crock. And then there's just like, oh, finally, you can get that someone special in your life, a uh, 50-pack of pee pads for their dog. I don't know. If you don't know what a pee pad is, um, you're lucky. It's a little pad of thing that you put down on the on the floor and your dog pees on it. It's not really more complicated than that. But you just sit there and you go, what? Who who needs this? And who who's going to buy somebody this? Happy birthday, Grandma. <laughs> I mean, maybe Grandma needs it. I don't I mean, who am I to judge? But honestly, if that's what you're you're looking for and that's what you're looking at, maybe it's time to, I don't know, Love your family for once in your miserable life. So you find all sorts of really random weirdo things on uh, the Amazon Prime Day. Like the, the Amazon devices, I don't want to say the name because one's staring at me right now. Some of those things are pretty good. They're great. You know, they're useful. The one, uh, the big one is going to be like uh, like 100 bucks or something like that. It's like 15 inches tall. You get the stand for it. It's like a mini TV that you can talk to, that can play you music. And it can, in my case, I can watch all of my cable because we have uh, we have cable, but we don't have it in every room. Thank God. My wife, uh, <clears throat> let's talk out of school for my, about my wife for a second. My wife in uh, the old house, now we, we, we used to rent in, uh, well, it was a couple of other cities. We rented in a couple cities and we'd get cable. And she would have three cable boxes on her desk and three little TVs that were, I don't know, five inch. They're tiny little things, cheap as all get out. They seemed to break all the time. They were like 40 bucks a piece because she would, she's obsessed with her work and she would watch CNN, MSNBC, and Fox all the time while she's sitting there working. She'd have them both streaming just in case something broke. She's doing live radio. She, she doesn't, she's not on the air, but she's the best producer in the business. And all day long while she's prepping and everything, she watches all this stuff. So you're like, oh, okay. She's got that. Well, cable boxes, they don't give them to you. They're like five to seven bucks a, a month for these things. And it would kill me because we had uh, two TVs, maybe three TVs, I guess, in the room. But in the bedroom, we just had Apple TV. So we didn't actually have a cable box. So we had a cable box in the living room and a cable box in the family room. And then we had all these other cable. We ended up with like seven cable boxes. That stuff adds up. And I'm, I tried to encourage her to get rid of it. 
eventually she did but thankfully now with these little devices and the apple tv and you can get the app for our cable system you can watch the live tv on these things so it's like great in the house now we have a bunch of tvs not a ton of them but none of two only two of them have cable boxes in the in the living room and the family room that's it and the rest of it is like streaming stuff can't quite cut the cable cord yet but i wish we could so in that sense those are good those are interesting but if i'm just looking because they got all this stuff up by previews now and at some point and i i mean i guess if you're really into coffee you could get the 500 dollars espresso maker or if you're in the mood for a uh i don't know what the hell that is a storage unit or something it's just the most random things in the world like there are things that everybody needs and wants, and Amazon knows what they are. They know what they sell a ton of, and then there's just random twenty-six foot multi-position stepladder kind of thing. Like, okay, I'm sure somebody needs that or wants that or whatever, but I don't know. It's five hundred thirty-three dollars down from six hundred sixty-nine dollars and fifty cents. Is that a deal? I never really shopped for a giant foldable stepladder, so. Maybe the problem is me. I don't know. <laughs> I do know I can actually probably use one of those things. I'm not doing. I've uh, broke. To, it poured. I don't know where you are, but up here in the Northeast, it's been raining, and it poured like Chris. Sky just opened up yesterday, and I suspected for a while that, like, if you have the back door open, there's no overhang. And if the windows and the screen door is, is the, the the screen is open, the water can come in. And I'm like, how the hell is that even possible? And I looked, finally was able to look, and it really rained while the sun was out for the first time in a while since I was aware of this. And it, it's pouring over the gutters. So we used to have trees right around the house that I had taken down because they were mostly dead and pine trees and just would have gone up in a second. And they were near the uh, fireplace. And they're just ready to collapse anyway. But I think that the uh, gutters are full of pine needles and God knows what. Because the people before us didn't seem to do a whole lot in the way of maintenance on this house. So I'm getting like a gutter cleaner to come out because I can't. I don't have a ladder. I have a like a five-foot step ladder. I did the gutter garage. The garage on the gutter. Or the gutter on the garage. I don't have a gutter in my garage. Or I don't have a garage on my gutter. Uh, yeah, I did that, but I can't reach the other ones. So we're getting somebody to come out. It's only like 120 bucks. So there's that. Anyway, you don't need to know any of this crap. Let us get on with the news. But before we do that, I want to give a couple of shout outs. I'm not going to give, I don't know if I should give out, I mean, I know I shouldn't give out last names. But if you want me to give out your last name, I'll absolutely do that. But I want to thank first Karen for the support that uh, wildly generous. And uh, we have a lady who comes in who lives next door. She's a retired teacher. And she uh, comes in and helps homeschool the girls because she's much better than than we are at that. And she's doing great. Quinn reads better than I do. She's not so good at math yet, and she gets angry about math, but she's great. And this will, you know, take care of some two weeks or a week of, of uh, homeschooling. So that is awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. I sent you a very long, nice email, and I would have happily called you if I had your phone number. And then uh, thanks to Jared, who contributed to the laptop fund. 
through PayPal. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> like, oh, dude, thank you. Thank you, Jared. You rock. The uh, PayPal is, pat- is uh, Derek Allen Hunter at gmail.com, D-E-R-E-K-A-L-L-A-N-H-U-N-T-E-R at gmail.com. I'd spent a lot of time today. Again, this is not relevant. And I know I'm going to get the emails and people are going to stop listening because of this, but um, I was I'm starting a, a job, part-time kind of thing. It's it's with a new group that a friend of mine is doing. It's, it's great. And it's going to be, I'll tell you more about it once it gets going. But um, I was supposed to go into the office. I'm going to be able to do it remote thankfully, mostly in the early, early mornings before anything else goes on. And I'll, I'll be able to be creative director-ish kind of thing, so which is really cool. But I had to, uh, the HR is being run through a company in Virginia. And I had to go, I was supposed to go in at some point this week to meet everybody, even though there's only like four people that work for this thing, and um, give them my proof of citizenship kind of thing. And so I thought, I got my driver's license and I have my passport. I knew exactly where my passport, this is my passport right there that I'm playing with. Except the damn thing expired in December of 2022. I had no idea. My wife's, I knew where hers was and it was easier to get to than mine and I knew that we had renewed them at the same time because we went somewhere. Uh, well, we went to Ireland together for a honeymoon, and then we went to, uh, but before that, we went to Canada. We drove up to Niagara Falls back in, apparently, 2012. And uh, in December of 2012. So I look at hers, and it's like, oh, hers was renewed in 2016. So I just assumed mine must have been renewed in 2016, too. So it's still good. It's good till 2026. I go and grab this, and it's not. I'm like, how the hell did you renew your passport? Like, because we got married in 2015. And that's when she changed her name. So I was like, crap. So right now, currently, I had to go and I don't have my, I don't know where the hell my birth certificate is. I don't know where the hell my social security card is. So I had to go and uh, order and I'm going to get a new passport too because there are convenient things to have that I can do by mail, thank God, although it'll take like three months because our Biden government sucks. Uh, somehow you get a backlog. Uh, is everybody trying to get the hell out of the country? I don't know. But um, so I, I can't currently prove legally for purposes of employment that I am who I am. It's weird. It's, a, it's an odd feeling. Uncle Sam's still sucking away on my tax dollars, but it's an odd thing where you're like, I, you can't legally work right now. Now, hopefully that'll be taken care of by next week, but I had no idea. So as my mom gave me my birth certificate and my social security card a long time ago, and it's in a box somewhere, which it turns out is not a valid proof of citizenship in the United States of America for employment. It'd be better if I just you know, said I'm an illegal alien. Then the Biden administration would come down on them like a ton of bricks and not allow me to go without a job unless I chose not to go or not to have a job. Anyway, we're starting now. Apologies to everybody who's like, God, this guy, I probably already lost you, but who cares? Um, Oh, yeah, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast, DerekHunter.locals.com. Become a patron of the show, patron of the arts, if you will, the cursing art. All right, speaking of the cursing art, I have been telling you this 
for three or four years, ever since Joe Biden became a viable candidate, when I played you the old famous audio of him from 1987, I think it was, in New Hampshire when he was trying to run for president in the 88 race where he, somebody asked him, you know, what kind of grades did you get in law school and kind of a student, blah, 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 blah. Normal kind of questions for back then. Now they, they want to know how many Instagram followers you have and which Kardashian sister you've slept with. But back then they wanted to know who you, uh, how, how, how well you did in school, things like that. And Joe Biden famously said, I bet I have a much higher IQ than you do. I graduated at the top of my law school. I was a number one student named the most awesome student in everywhere and everybody and chicks dug me and blah, blah, blah. And then I went through and explained with facts, with footnotes, with truth, and even with the Biden campaign at the time, acknowledging that everything he said after that was a lie. He didn't graduate the top of his class. He graduated like 78th out of 86 students in law school. He didn't have a scholarship. He had a partial scholarship. It was not based on merit. It was based on need. He was never named the outstanding student, etc., etc. He said that he, uh, everything about that that he said was a lie. But it wasn't just the content, the lie, the BS. I've covered it extensively, and I recommend that you search. I would have said Google, but don't Google. Um, search on Bing or some other search site. Our idiot vice president and my name. For some reason, that doesn't really come up all that readily, or at least it used to not come up very easily on Google because they didn't want people to know what kind of an idiot Joe Biden was. The algorithm protected the moron, but everybody else finds it. I wrote a column back in, I don't know, 2014 or something like that about Joe Biden and every lie that he told. But beyond the lie was the temper, the anger, the rage, the idea that this man, back then, you know, the world was his oyster. He was a, back in 1988, in the 1988 race, he was a front runner for a while. He really was. He was dumb. Joe Biden has always been dumb, but he wasn't senile in any way, shape, or form. He was just dumb. But he was viewed as having been a, uh, a foreign policy kind of expert. He was also, I don't know think he was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time, but he was a high-ranking member. He might, I think Ted Kennedy might have been the chairman. And he was integral in committing character assassination against Judge Robert Bork, which endeared him to Democrats in a way that, uh, as a species, we should be embarrassed of. But when it comes to Democrats, that's impossible. So he had a chance to become the Democratic nominee, considering that they ultimately nominated Michael Dukakis, for the love of God, that tells you how desperate they were for anybody, anywhere, that they could have possibly nominated that year to get their butt handed to them by George W. George H. W. Bush. But Joe Biden has always been a jackass. Joe Biden has always been somebody with a short temper. We've played it before. There's no reason to go down that memory lane where he's like, look, fat, you want to get into a push-up contest right now, I'll do that. And you're a lion, dog-faced pony soldier. And he just gets angry when challenged. It's also a sign 
of stupid. It's a wild sign of insecurity. The people who are quick to temper when so look, there's some people who just give you a drink, you add booze and you get instant a hole. That's just how it is. Sadly, John Lennon was one of those people, apparently. But the John, uh, Joe Biden is allegedly a lifelong teetotaler, which means all the screwed up stuff that he did, including basically raping Tara Reid in the halls of the Capitol building. He did stone sober. All the stuff he did, he's done stone sober, allegedly. Maybe it was his blow. Who knows? But it is bizarre that somebody would have that much of a sense of anger and entitlement while sober, except when you realize how wildly insecure somebody is. And that's been Joe Biden's life, wildly insecure, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, always sitting around waiting. He's in the wings. He's hoping to be the one. He thought he would be the nominee on a couple of occasions because there wasn't really anybody stepping up. There wasn't anybody any good, certainly nobody with his resume. And on paper, if you don't actually look beyond the surface, Joe Biden has an impressive resume. United States Senator, being a United States, have you been a United States Senator? I have not been a United States Senator. That being said, you look beyond that to legislative accomplishments, and, you know, I think I have more legislative accomplishments than Joe Biden does, to be honest with you. He spent 40-some-odd years in the United States Senate. I spent one year as a press secretary in the United States Senate. But I would put my accomplishments up against his. I'd put my intelligence up against his. He would get angry at that assertion. And now the media in a... uh, Well, the real question is, why are they doing this? Axios has a story. Their headline is quite interesting and it dovetails nicely to what i've always been telling you the headline is old yeller colon biden's private fury he's a nasty nasty man they write in public president biden likes to whisper to make a point in private he's prone to yelling meaning i mean right there in the first sentence of this piece is a, it's just a straight-out declaration that he's a complete and total fraud. He's a hypocrite. He's a phony when he's in public. We knew that. And I love the family. I give you my word as Biden. What about that little Biden kid? Navy, no, not that one. Screw that one. We always knew he was garbage. You don't have two out of three children who are degenerates one way or another, addicts, without being a bad parent, right? To to some degree, especially when you've got the means and really the motive to help. Look, if your kids start going down the the path and you're in public life, you know a bad path. You know that your career, you don't maybe care about them, but your career, you got to kind of go, you know what, I can't have my son being arrested for drunk driving or drinking or whatever. Well... You can if you call. There are two ways to handle that. You call the police and you say, look, you ever catch my son, you damn well better not blah, 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 blah. Or you can sit your son down and say, look, you get arrested, breaking the law, drunk driving, drugs, whatever it is, don't call me. My parents 
one of the best things my parents ever did to me, for me. I mean, they did a lot. They did everything for me. They did everything for all of us. But one of the best things they ever did was sit me down. Once I started, you know, being old enough to get into serious trouble, not high school trouble, but serious trouble, like going to have a few adult beverages, even if I wasn't 21 or whatever. And uh, I never really rolled with a super rough crowd. So I had that going for me, but they made it clear. Regardless, there was nothing like a couple close calls. I'd puked on the front lawn and passed out. I did puke and pass out on somebody else's front lawn one time. My friend George left me for dead there. I still hold that over his head. But um, that's a story for a slow news day. But I never, they never caught me drunk. They never did anything like that. It's just they were unambiguous. It was a principle. See, it's one thing you, you do that, I guess, if you haven't laid down the law as a principle. You do that when the, the kid starts getting caught, but the best time to do it is before the kid starts doing anything wrong, when you think that kid might start doing something wrong. My parents told me, look, if you're ever arrested and you didn't do it, call us. But if you did it, whatever it is, drive drunk, punch, get into a fight, whatever, call somebody else. I knew they weren't kidding. I knew it wasn't a joke. I knew it wasn't one of those things where they're like, <laughs> they tell their friends. But no, they were quite serious. Absolutely 100% serious. If you didn't do it, call us. If you did it, call somebody else, which was straight up, don't do it. You don't, you can, if you're going to break the law, we're not interested in helping you. That gave me pause. That gave me, um, it slowed me down a lot of times. It made me more acutely aware of things. I paid better attention to myself. I did not break the law. I did not do stupid things. But I knew the risk I was taking and I went in wide-eyed. There were some times I didn't take risks. There were other times I did take risks and got incredibly lucky. But it was always with, in mind, my parents are not joking around. I didn't want to disappoint my parents ever. And so it's that weird kind of thing where you behave and it alters your behavior. Not completely, but enough. So if Joe went that route, who knows what could have happened to Hunter. But Joe didn't seem to go that route. He went the other way where he was calling police. And frankly, the town where I grew up, it was a small town then. It's changed dramatically now. But it was a small town feel where just about everybody knew my dad. He was the guy who ran the concession stands at the the park in the summer, all summer, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He was the guy who drove the Zamboni at the ice rink. My mom was always there. She was the craft lady. She could crochet an afghan in the course of a hockey game. It was amazing. Everybody knew these people. My brother was super popular and great at sports. So were my sisters. So it's like everybody knew everybody in this town. There was no getting away with stuff. But I could have if my father and mother were bad people who said, look, your son got arrested, drunk, public drunkenness, minor in possession. Uh, if you want, I can let him go. Yeah, why don't you let him go? I'll scare the hell out of him. Or whatever. It'll just be better. They could have easily done that. They didn't ever do that. They kept us all in line. 
by loving us and making sure that we never wanted to disappoint them and making clear that if we'd done something wrong, they weren't going to help us skirt it. Joe Biden, the exact opposite. Story continues at Axios. Behind closed doors, Biden has such a quick trigger temper that some aides try to avoid meeting alone with him. Some take a colleague almost as a shield against a solo blast. This is Joe Biden, devout Catholic, wonderful man, talks about how he loves to call his grandchildren every single day. What does he call them? That's the question. Well, it turns out staff, remember when he was running for when he would just came into office, if I find anybody disrespecting anybody in any way, shape, or form, I will fire them. Uh, not a joke. I'll fi- well, here's what Axios reports about Joe Biden. Quote, the president's admonitions include, quote, God damn it, how the F don't you know this? End quote. Quote, don't effing bull S me. End quote. And get the F out of here. End quote. According to current and former Biden aides who have witnessed and have been on the receiving end of such outbursts. Why, he sounds just like the Pope, another devout Catholic, does he not? The private eruptions paint a more complicated picture of Biden as a manager and president than his carefully cultivated image as a kindly uncle whose love avid, uh, who loves aviator sunglasses and ice cream. Now, if you're out there and anybody's falling for this guy is just uh, one of the greatest dads ever, such a nice guy. Look at the way he sucks down that chocolate chip ice cream. Uh, You're a moron. Senior and low-level aides alike can be in Biden's line of fire. Quote, no one is safe, said one administration official. Biden aides still talk about how angry he got at Jeff Zientis, Z-I-E-N-T-S, Then the administration's COVID czar in late 2021 when there was a shortage of testing kits as the Omicron variant spread. Their age was temporary. Zeintz is now Biden's chief of staff. A spokesperson for Zeintz told Axios, quote, I'm not going to speak to what internal convos may or may not have happened between Jeff and the president. And the White House declined to comment. Now, you may sit there and just laugh at this. And it's worth laughing at. But there's something else interesting going on here that six months ago, this story would have never made the news. They're citing Jeff Zeitz in late 2021. Six months ago, it was still 2023. That's a full year plus beyond late 2021. Why is this suddenly news? Plus, again, Joe Biden was known to be a quick-triggered, awful human being to the little people and to the public, quite frankly, who dared question him. Why now? Well, because we're getting closer to the election time. We're still not close enough that polls really matter, particularly in the Republican race. But on the Democratic side, Robert Kennedy Jr., in some polls, 10 20%. That's wildly embarrassing. There's a possibility that Robert Kennedy, the Democrats have screwed up their uh, and changed the order of their primary and caucus states. It's different from Republicans. They did that expressly to protect Joe Biden against challenge. 
but there's still a pretty good chance that what happens in like South Carolina going first, it, it won't really matter to the Democrats. It won't. Why? Because everybody will look at it as they chose South Carolina to go first because it has a large black vote. The black vote will go for Joe Biden because the you know black Democrats will tell black voting Democrats that they need to go for him, just like they did last time. James Clyburn comes out and says, I support Joe Biden. Why? No good reason. I just like the old white dudes or whatever the hell it was. And in South Carolina, the black vote saved his butt. But it wasn't just the black vote that saved his butt. If you remember, shortly after South Carolina, pretty much everybody else dropped out of the race except Bernie Sanders. Remember that? Remember, I think that was weird at the time. They're going, wait a second. Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Elizabeth Warren, you all kind of just dumped out of the race. Now, if two of them had dumped out of the race, the third one standing, whoever it was, would have done much better. There was a large contingent of Democratic primary voters who would not have voted for Joe Biden because they didn't like him or unimpressed by him or they saw him as senile and afraid to leave his house, whatever it was. But all three of them dropping out when they weren't broke and they hadn't collapsed in support was rather bizarre. They did so because they were, they cut some kind of deal. I don't know what it is with Elizabeth Warren or with uh, Amy Klobuchar, but Secretary Mayor Pete got a secretary gig. He was the only one who was unemployed. Amy Klobuchar is still a senator. Elizabeth Warren's still a senator. They got them out of there when it was just Joe versus Bernie, when it was the establishment versus the socialist, the establishment won. The establishment won. Now, Elizabeth Warren has a hell of a lot more in common with Bernie Sanders than she does Joe Biden, but she endorsed Joe Biden. Amy Klobuchar had a lot of problems with Joe Biden's candidacy when she was a candidate against him, but she endorsed Joe Biden. Pete Buttigieg was a proud, progressive, left-wing, blah, 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 blah. He endorsed the person he was least simpatico with when he dropped out of the race. All in, I think it was the course of 24 hours, all three of them dropped out of the race. It's like a suicide pact between all of them. All right, if you're going to drop out, I'll drop out. But I'm not dropping out unless you drop. All right, we'll all drop out at the same time, and we can all get back in if we have to. That was kind of a little weird, don't you think? Yeah, awfully convenient, but not surprising. This is how the establishment works. And now, why was the media going after Joe now? Because he's wildly unpopular. He's having all sorts of problems. His approval rating is just this side of an anal fissure. So... That's a bit of an issue. He's not getting any better. He's getting more senile, right? He's getting more senile. This worries Democrats. They can't come out and say, Joe, you got to go, although some people have. The Atlantic ran a piece uh, the other day called Step Aside, Joe. I think it was called Step Aside, Joe, whatever it is. 
I wrote about this for either the Hill or Town. I think it's, I read about it for the Hill. I think on Wednesday, and they are starting to nip at his heels in the water. They haven't gone full blown jaws and swallowed him down. They're hoping that he will either get his act together and do a much better job of campaigning and seeming sane than he has been. But if they don't, they will bring out the long knives. And the Maureen Dowd is writing about his uh, illegitimate kid in the New York Times. The left loves Maureen Dowd, talking about how Joe needs to acknowledge this kid. This is wrong. This is wrong. All of these things are shots across the bow. They are not straight up, Joe, you got to go. These are not Goldwater going up to the White House and telling Nixon he doesn't have the votes. He needs to resign because he will be convicted in an impeachment. It ain't that. But it's moving towards that. It's moving towards somebody in some position if they don't, if Joe doesn't either get his act together or drop out on his own, take the nudging. Somebody will come out and say, Joe's got to go. Somebody who matters, and it may well be Someone like a uh, Gavin Newsom, a Gavin Newsom who then steps in. He doesn't do it by Joe, you got to go. He does it by stepping in. That would be massive. That would be huge because while Robert Kennedy Jr. is a high profile person, he's not particularly a serious candidate. I know I'm going to play you something that's exceedingly long, and I don't want to play it because it's exceedingly long. I want to play it because I think it's important. It's done by Reason Magazine. It's like nine minutes long. It's done by Reason Magazine. It is very well done by Reason Magazine. Somebody called Liz Wolf is the uh, the host of this, and she makes a compelling, whether it's accurate, whether you believe it is irrelevant, I'm playing this because I want to, A, illustrate that Robert Kennedy Jr. is not particularly a serious candidate for the presidency and not a genuine threat to do anything more than just embarrass Joe Biden. And that's all for that and damage him in the primary to the point that by winning like New Hampshire and maybe Iowa and maybe a couple other places, to damage him that he does so poorly in the primary but still gets the nomination that he ends up being too damaged to win the general election think jimmy carter in 1980 ronald reagan was a much better candidate jimmy carter was a horrible president but there was also the primary battle with ted kennedy in 1980 that showed him to be weak kennedy didn't go full bore or anything like that but it did show carter to be weak and to be scared and have reasons to be scared. If RFK does anything, it would be that. But somebody like Gavin Newsom getting in, Gavin Newsom is a viable candidate. Gavin Newsom is a viable, he's got a support base out in California of really rich people. He's got a support base out in California that has a lot of people. And there are a lot of Democrats across the country who would happily vote for Gavin Newsom over Joe Biden. He can't get in yet because you don't want to be the one to push the old guy out. You want to give the old guy a chance to either get his game up or step out himself. But he is laying the groundwork. 
He's going around the country. He is hitting up the various states and making it known that he's ready to go when and if he's needed. So it'll be interesting to watch if this happens. I don't know. I, I don't think Gavin Newsom can... Because if the Democratic establishment, whoever goes out there first and says Joe has to go, is going to have to answer for something I don't know if they're ready to answer for. And it's pretty simple. But it's an important question that Democrats will have to answer. Because they're not going to say, well, he's just too unpopular. They can't just say he's too unpopular. They have to, and they've been hinting at this, as the Atlantic piece did. They have to say you're too old without saying you're too old. They can say you're too old, but they can't say you're, look, old guy, get out. They have to say, like, we need to clear the way for somebody else, somebody younger, et cetera, et cetera. If that doesn't work and they have to come out full bore and say you're not up to the task, then what? There are going to be a whole lot of Democrats who are going to have to answer questions like, well, where the hell have you been this whole time? What do you mean? If he's this senile, why have you been lying to us and telling us that he was fine? What happened a few years ago when he was on the ballot? Why was he fine? Then? What's different now than then? He was screwing up then. He was falling then. He was doing all these things then. What happened? And suddenly there are going to be some uncomfortable questions for whoever the first few Democrats are that come out and say, you know what, Joe Biden isn't up to the task. He has lost a bunch of steps. The If there is a line that has been crossed, and I, there has, it's a long time ago, then it would have been crossed a long time ago, right? Democrats will have to have some explaining to do. So that's why RFK isn't really a threat right now. It'd be a miracle. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be a miracle for him to win the nomination. That being said, it's entirely possible that somebody else like Gavin Newsom, and I don't know who else would be on the bench, could come in there. So I want to play, because there's also this weird thing that goes on with the right. The right likes to flirt with some people on the left. Joe Lieberman is one of these guys. Oh, Joe Lieberman. I love Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman, Joe Lieberman, Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman is a down-the-line liberal. On a couple of things... He agrees with conservatives on occasion. He's not a fan of the United States being blown up, and he doesn't want to see Israel wiped off the map. Otherwise, he's not all that interested in small government, conservatism, etc., etc. Uh, what's her face? Who's the woman that's on Fox now all the time from Hawaii? Why am I blanking on this woman's name? What the hell is her name? She's out there. Um, Tulsi Gabbard. Okay. Tulsi Gabbard. The right loves Tulsi Gabbard. Why does the right love Tulsi Gabbard? She is a da- she's anti-war. Okay, great. We can agree on that. But on everything else, pretty much, she's down the line leftist progressive. But she went on, she's now with Fox, and she's out there, and they bring her on to talk about the things that she agrees with conservatives on, and they don't bring her on to talk about things that she doesn't agree with conservatives on. It's weird. I mean, it's smart marketing on her part, but it's not exactly an honest picture. Dennis Kucinich used to be with Fox. Remember, he's now RFK's campaign manager. But they'd bring him on to talk about things that, Demo- that he didn't like Democrats were doing. 
Like, okay, that's great. But you're giving people a false impression that this guy is somehow a uh, conservative or not a complete and total lunatic leftist. I don't know. I don't watch enough CNN or MSNBC to know if there's anything, any corollary thing that the left does. that They bring somebody on with. Because, like, uh, all the so-called conservatives on those other networks, they just give up on everything. They're like, all right, I'll whore myself out for money. There's nothing where, you know what, at the end of the day, Michael Steele is really hardcore pro-life and he's going to talk about it and you probably shouldn't ask him about it because he's not going to stray from that. He's not going to... No, there doesn't seem to be anything like that. He's like, all right, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. So I don't think they have that issue on the right. And now there's this weird push. I'll never understand it. But aside from the fact that, and this is also another problem with conservatives, you get somebody like Joe Rogan. I, I never listened to a whole Joe Rogan podcast. I'm sure it's great. But, and it's wildly, wildly popular. And he's making a fortune at it and good on him. But I've seen a lot of clips and I like what I see. I just don't sit down to a three-hour podcast of listening to people get high. Just doesn't seem all that interesting. You can you can certainly come up with clips that are wildly entertaining and wildly interesting. If you sit down for three hours, you can mine 15 minutes. That's really interesting. But he is not a conservative, at least in any sense that I recognize. He might be more libertarian, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, but the conservative movement has elevated him. Like, Joe Rogan says this. Joe Rogan, I think we're so desperate for another Rush Limbaugh. It's a testament to just how, how important Rush was and how pathetic the Rush replacements are, that none of them have even come close. There's not even, like, there's none of them. Nothing they do or say makes news. Nobody cares. Nobody even listens anymore. The numbers have tanked from that and it's sad that radio has fallen because of the lack of original thought in these people but that's beside the point you watch joe rogan like oh joe rogan says joe rogan comes out against this joe rogan slams joe biden like okay that's all well and good and he says he'll never vote for joe biden fine i'm all in favor of that and great but realistically is he able to articulate a conservative vision is he trying to make a case for a conservative agenda to his listeners? Probably not. That's not his bag. That's not what he does. It's not who he is. And that's fine. You don't have to. But to elevate him as some sort of conservative hero because occasionally he says something you like is a mistake, just like it is with Tulsi Gabbard, just like it is with RFK. The push by some people on social media and being flirted with, at least for clickbait purposes, in conservative media is what about a Trump RFK Jr. ticket? That would be a disaster. That would be a disgrace. RFK Jr. is not in any way, shape, or form a conservative. He's not even center-left. He is a radical leftist. He just is. And so I want to play you this whole video from Reason Magazine. Make of it what you will. I'm not saying that everything here is truthful. I don't know if everything here is truthful, but they use clips and they make cases and you can go and look it up for yourself. And what I've looked up for myself thus far has mostly checked out. And I just want, well, I want conservatives, but I just want people to at least know that if they're sort of falling and engaging in like 
fanning themselves, going, ooh, RFK Jr., it's great, because all the right... It's, it's not enough that all the right people hate somebody. Right? At least it shouldn't be enough that all the right people hate somebody. It also has to be that the person hated for, you know, by all the right people that you want hated is, uh, actually stands for something. You end up hurting yourself and hurting your cause if you simply go, I like this person because they hate this person. It's bad policy. It's bad politics. Here is this about vaccines and the why RFK should not be just given a pass because he's upset Democrats. The nonprofit Children's Health Defense, which warns of the possible dangers posed by vaccines, used to receive a modest 119,000 monthly visits to its website. When COVID happened, public skepticism of the medical establishment exploded, and the site's web traffic went wild, peaking at 5 million monthly visits. So who's behind this group that warns of the dangers of electromagnetic radiation and the global cabal attempting to ban meat? The group's chairman, chief legal counsel, and highest compensated officer is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who has moved out of the fringe after launching a long-shot bid to become president of the United States. RFK Jr. is not worthy of the rehabilitation tour he's been getting from pundits, podcasters, and tech luminaries. He's built a career as a professional contrarian. He pushes tabloid-quality reporting, and he wildly extrapolates from little grains of truth. He frequently implies that the establishment is corrupt at best, evil at worst, and he winks at the existence of puppet masters pulling the strings of major institutions. His organization, Children's Health Defense, gives opponents of vaccine mandates and government overreach a bad name by lumping us together with anti-vaxxers. That's why most of the polio today, 70% of the polio today is vaccine polio that came from the vaccines. By the way, 80% of the polio cases on earth today, according to the WHO, are vaccine strain polio. That means people got it from vaccinated people. In 2022, Children's Health Defense made the same point in a piece headlined, Polio, Why Vaccines Are to Blame for Rising Number of Cases. It claimed that cases have been on the rise globally since 2016, and the resurgence is related to the use of vaccines. Actually, global polio cases fell by 99% between 1988 and 2022, and were extremely close to eradication, thanks to vaccines. What Kennedy said is technically true, but misleading. He is referring to polio spread through untreated sewage by a form of the vaccine that uses live virus. Not only has that version of the vaccine been retired, but it can only cause an outbreak in unvaccinated communities, such as some Hasidic neighborhoods of New York City and outlying areas. For the last 18 years, Kennedy has been a leading figure in the anti-vax movement. My principal objective is that vaccines um, in this, the childhood vaccines are immune from pre-licensing safety testing. Pharmaceutical drugs are now the third biggest killer in America after, um, after heart attacks and cancer. So no, I do not intend to make it easier to get drugs to market. This is a rhetorical ploy to make his vaccine fear-mongering sound reasonable. The Food and Drug Administration is, if anything, overly cautious with vaccine testing. Bringing a vaccine to market generally takes 10 to 15 years and costs several billion dollars. When I got, was a kid, I got three vaccines. My children got 72 doses of 16 vaccines. RFK is playing fast and loose with the numbers. 
about 30 doses are on the childhood immunization schedule, with fewer required to attend most states' public schools. The reason he didn't get vaccines that prevent measles and mumps when he was a kid is that they didn't yet exist, which is a shame because they've mostly eradicated those serious diseases in the U.S. Beginning in 1989, we experienced a chronic disease epidemic in this country. It is unlike anything in human history. I mean, neurological disease that I never saw when I was a kid. ADD, ADHD, speech delay, language delay, tics, Tourette syndrome, um, ASD, autism, narcolepsy, all of these suddenly appeared. Autism rates went from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in every 34. Peanut allergies suddenly appeared. Food allergies, eczema suddenly appeared. Anaphylaxis and asthma, you know, which had been around, but it exploded. He's correct that food allergy, asthma, and childhood obesity rates are increasing, but there's no evidence it's caused by vaccines. RFK is once again flubbing the particulars in order to pin blame on a single culprit. Kennedy frequently mistakes correlation for causation, gets the numbers totally wrong, and portrays complex trends as simpler than they really are, with easily identifiable villains. Last year, he produced the documentary Infertility, A Diabolical Agenda, it was directed by Andrew Wakefield, the British doctor who wrote a 1998 article in The Lancet presenting evidence that vaccines cause autism. As for the film that Kennedy and Wakefield collaborated on, it recycles long debunked myths from the 90s that tetanus vaccines administered in Kenya were deliberately laced with a hormone blocker that caused infertility. This, they say, is part of the World Health Organization's depopulation plot, but the Catholic bishops who were the source for that claim never presented conclusive evidence. Libertarians who understand the incompetence of government entities should be more skeptical that the World Health Organization would be so effective at carrying out its nefarious scheme. He used his famous last name to add the veneer of respectability to the anti-vax cause. In fact, he's been focused on this single issue for decades now. In 2005, he first became obsessed with the preservatives and vaccines, writing an article for Salon on the danger of vaccine additives that needed five corrections appended to it and was later retracted, alleging a link between autism and the preservative ethyl mercury. But what do you think happens when you get into office? Like if you're, you're, you're talking about your uncle who's assassinated and you believe the intelligence agencies were part of that, what happens to you? Well, I gotta be careful. You know, I'm aware of that and I'm not, you know, I, I'm aware of the of that danger. He's actually not a persecuted truth teller, although recent attempts to go after Rogan for having him on or to cut him out of public debate feed that myth. The real issue is that RFK Jr.'s bold claims don't hold up to scrutiny, even when examined by people who don't have a dog in the fight. So what would RFK Jr. be like as president? Part of his appeal, to libertarians at least, is that he's staunchly anti-war and a huge critic of COVID lockdowns and mandates, but he's fundamentally a big government liberal. He supports Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. He favors heavy-handed government intrusion in the realm of environmental policy. He's anti-nuclear energy. He wants pharmaceutical companies to burn in hell. And he seems to believe in an almost Alex Jones-esque dramatized concept of the deep state. He also favors massive wealth redistribution. I, I don't think these huge disparities in wealth are healthy for our country or healthy for democracy. He correctly points out that government and big business have an unholy alliance. 
the CIA is ultimately working for industry like the oil industry, the coal industry, and the military contractors. I mean, USDA is run by Cargill, Smithfield, um, Monsanto, um, O Pilgrim, John Tyson. But he doesn't understand that too much regulation is the root cause. He just thinks large companies are inherently bad. He says he's concerned about government spending and throws out wild figures to make his point. We spent 16 trillion on the lockdown. We wasted, got nothing for it. Eight trillion on the Ukraine war. That's 24 trillion dollars that they had to print to pay for nothing. But he's actually no better than any establishment Republican or Democrat in his unwillingness to scale back elder care entitlements that are actually responsible for driving the federal government into bankruptcy. I would say it's a red line for me to touch Social Security or Medicare. What's surreal about libertarians and conservatives now embracing RFK Jr. is that he's publicly fantasized about jailing his political opponents and cracking down on free speech for years. At the People's Climate March in 2014, Kennedy said this. I think they should be in jail. I think they should be enjoying three hots and a cot at The Hague with all the other war criminals who are there. Do I think the Koch brothers should be prosecuted for reckless endangerment? Absolutely. The First Amendment does not protect fraudulent speech. If if you say something that is fraudulent, you're not protected. It just seems like that way madness lies because the government will always come up with a pretext for saying your speech is not just wrong, it's criminal, and you need to be shut down. Well, we have, I don't know, but I do believe that prosecutors and judges make decisions about what's fraud all the time. He's not a real free speech advocate, and he's not especially thoughtful about the principles or people he endorses. After all, this is a man who once heaped praise on the socialist dictator Hugo Chavez, touting his bogus literacy programs and commitment to democracy. So what would RFK Jr. do in the White House? And is it fair to hold 15-year-old soundbites against him, as some of his fans that I've sparred with have claimed? One thing I'll say for RFK Jr. is that unlike most politicians, he's been extraordinarily consistent in his views. He thinks the world is divided into heroes and villains, and he makes wild, unsupported claims that portray things as simpler than they really are. The difference is that he's no longer a widely ignored crackpot environmental lawyer. He's asking you to vote him into the White House. Like I say, think of it what you will. I'm not... I'm never going to vote for a Democrat. It doesn't matter. And anybody, any Republican who would nominate a Democrat as their running mate would be stupid. There was this push. Oh, what the hell? John McC- Remember John McCain? Like, we should go with uh, McCain and Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman is a big lib, okay? Granted, the vice president position is marginalized and really only has the power that the president allows it to have, but... The job of the president is so big that the president of the United States allows it to have a lot of power. You don't give that to your political enemies. And yes, political enemies are the right words there. So think of that what you will. Make of that what you like. You now have more information than you did a few minutes ago. And uh, if it matters to you, then you maybe put this to bed. Maybe you want to find out more about RFK Jr., and I fully support that. And maybe I'm wildly wrong, and maybe Reason Magazine is wildly wrong, or maybe they're not showing you something that I I just, I don't know what it could be. He's a Democrat. I don't want a Democrat on the Republican ticket. I want Democrats to destroy each other. That's what I want.
that I'd be happy with. Anyway, that is about enough for today. I went rambling on. I didn't even get to the harpies at the view, but you know, thank you. You're you're welcome. You don't need to hear the harpies at the view rambling on. Your day was just made better by not having an Anna Navarro quote shoved in your ear holes. You're welcome, America. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com is where you go to show your appreciation for my not having played Anna Navarro's audio in your ears. (laughs) Have a great Tuesday. We'll be back here on Wednesday. See you then.